This is Connecting the Classics, weekly music competitive radio hour where myself, Will Hagel, and my co-host, Lee Robinson, connect two classic albums, Kevin Bacon style. And this week, we've got the theme of Bells. We're going to discuss Bells. Surprisingly, a lot to say. Hey, you know more than I know. You know more than I know. And yeah, Bells, great theme. There's so many Bells songs, but I fired first with my pick, which was Yeet, Up To Me. And I responded with ACDC Back In Black. So so apologies I, to the listener. <laughs> well, first off, I want to know why you chose Up To Me. So... Yeet immediately came to mind for a Bells theme. Obviously, it's sure. kind of an open-ended theme. He's one of those people who I like 100 Gex. I'm like too old for this shit, but I can also appreciate what he's doing. He's kind of a funny character. Shout out to No Bells, the blog. Nice. For the Bells episode, we'll give them a shout out. They did a video called like Waiting for Yeet, where they went to a Yeet show and interviewed a bunch of his diehard fans. And then they did like a little backstory on why he's so popular and all this stuff and they cite another podcast interview where Yeats talking about the bells and if you look around online a lot of the youngsters out there love Yeet because he puts bells in all his best songs mm-hmm. and it really does just make us a beat hit a lot harder if you just put a bell right on like the kick drum up to me is like from some Yeet experts I consulted they think it's his best album it's also his major label debut from 2021, I believe, on Interscope Records. Uh, yeah, interesting character, because we'll get into it a little bit more, but he kind of blends a lot of the popular styles that, like, from the 2010s, we're getting, you know, uh, Young Thug, Future, stuff like that. But he's also just, yeah. like, a white kid who wears a weird scar- headscarf and yeah. vapes constantly total Gen Z uh, legend. For sure. So we're going to connect from Yeet to ACDC. How are we going to do it? Uh, All right. The song I'm going to pick, lead single from the album. Also, I'm curious before I get into it, what did you think of Yeet? So my quick sort of Yeet impression, you know, similar background as you, kind of learned about him secondhand. I I actually, my favorite album, and maybe I'm way off here, but I think his his one after this, What's it called? Too Too Alive is better, but you know maybe I need a second listen. I thought the songs started to sound they blended blended together a little too much for me. Yeah, uh, I think it's one a, of those things, just personal preference. But um, you know, it's definitely Yeet, and I think it's it's good to talk about him. Like you mentioned, he's definitely an in- interesting cultural phenomenon. So I'm curious what uh, song you chose. Yeah, much like William Butler Yeats, who has a poem <laughs> called "The Cap and the Bell." Yeah. Cat the Cap and Bells. Okay. I didn't understand them at first, like when I had to read Yeats in college. But mm-hmm. so I didn't understand Yeats at first, but we're going with the obvious choice. Has one of the best lines about bells and use of bells in any song ever. I'm putting it up against the entire recorded history of music. The quote is this song was already turned, but here's a bell. Nice. From Get Busy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeats credited as a producer on this album or on this song. Probably because he added the bells. <laughs> The other thing I wonder with his music is like, it's obviously drugged out music, and I'm wondering if you need to be under the influence to really appreciate it. I don't think so, but I think that's kind of a product of, you know, the 2010s when kind of lyrics became sort of less important. And I think it ties into what we've talked about on a past episode that for my generation and plus five points for the who, uh huh, and that's where you say the who, and then we mm-hmm. do a Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> minus five points for my generation it was soldier boy where it was like he's uh you know not lyrical at all but he is in a certain sense it's just a different lyrical style and maybe it is more about the vibes than the music mm-hmm. so i think it definitely has a one-to-one rise with like the sort of drugs that people are doing like pills and lean and stuff like that but percocet yeah, I don't do any of those, and I can still appreciate that kind of music, just like I can appreciate some electronic music without doing Molly and stuff. So I think drugs are always intertwined with certain music scenes or genres, but I don't think it's necessary to enjoy them. Yeah. I don't know if you disagree. No, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And then he immediately says, Molly with Perk, that's my shit. (laughs) Here it comes. Also, music video has literally like bells. Yeah, yeah. That look like UFOs. We gotta play that back. This song already was turned, but here's a bell. I don't know. Maybe I'm far off here. My pause real quick. I just feel like his music is like an inside joke on top of an inside joke. And so if you look at it from afar, you're just like, what is this trash? But if you like dive into the layers that got you to yeet, it makes a lot more sense. And then I think you can appreciate the music a lot more. Yeah. And I think it is that thing of like, you know, we're getting to the age where we're millennials in our early 30s and we're like old people now. Uh And it really is, I think, just a generational different. I don't think there's really as many generational differences as people claim there are, especially from my like elder perspective, because I realize within five minutes you're going to be old. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the younger generation right now has like a different kind of sense of humor and way of looking at the world where it's like for us, everything was kind of bleak, like from Y2K to September 11th to like 
getting more and more bleak. And theirs was the similar, a similar but exacerbated by social media. And I feel like that has resulted in, I don't know if it's nihilism or some sort of just like way of kind of like laughing at the world and numbing the pain and stuff like that. And like deconstructing it. I've been thinking a lot about like pop culture for this generation and the things that are popular are like this idea of tearing down expectations and like rearranging them and rebuilding them. Like I know this is kind of left field, but think of like if you ever see what's popular, it's always this weird shit. Like have you seen the one where the kid pretends it's like a probably a twenty year old kid, maybe even older, and he uses like a filter on his voice and pretends he's a little kid. And he <laughs> I plays seen that, video but... games plays like video games with people and says like really ridiculous shit that a ten year old would never say, but he pretends to be he's a little kid. Uh-huh. And it's just, I don't know, something about that idea. It reminds me of Yeet and the way Yeet's like this white kid who he puts umlauts on his E's or, you know, yeah. it's not umlaut, but like, and he like where talks it's about like turbans and wears head yeah. scarves and it's just like pulling all these different cultural references and just completely rearranging them in a way that's like ridiculous. It's like silly. It's like the dissolution of genre thing that we talked about with Hyperpop and Dylan yeah. Brady too kind of plays into it. Mm-hmm. and just like yeah like the layers of inside jokes like even the bells thing kind of becomes a funny thing that you're like oh he's just gonna put a bell in the song yeah also a lot of like kind of vague lyrics that are just sort of like flashes of things you know what i mean yeah i've also noticed lime green or you know like bright green is a like theme with his image yeah he's definitely got a just look where i feel like that kind of plays into it like if he didn't look like he did and obviously it's his personality too but you know, to I feel like to make it in the music industry, you almost have to make yourself a character. Yes, 110%. I also like this song just musically. I feel like it's one of those songs that has a lot of like tension where it's kind of just the same uh, synth line over and over again. Uh-huh. And then it breaks the tension a little bit with the bell part. And it's like, yeah, the hard drop kind of thing. And then it goes back which I feel like is an interesting song construction. Yeah, very uh, video game, too. Yeah. Those sense. Which I felt like a video game while listening to ACDC, so maybe that's a good transition. Nice. I felt more like I was in an 80s movie while I was driving around listening to it. Yeah, I want to get your take for sure. So when I'm listening to ACDC, the only reason, obviously the hits are undeniable, right? Uh, Back in Black, for context for listeners, is after Bond Scott, um, dies of alcohol poisoning that the band like basically almost falls apart but uh actually i read online it was at the encouragement of uh i think bon scott's mom maybe it was his wife i think it was his mom though uh told the band like bon scott would want you guys to keep going like don't give up just because he's gone so they start trying out singers again they find brian johnson and this is their first album back so that's why it's called back in black 
Uh, you've got Hell's Bells, which was the reason I chose the album. Uh, it's the opening track. Uh, and then you got other undisputed classics like, uh, let's see, Shoot the Thrill. Great. Back in Black, obviously. You Shook Me All Night Long. Did they have any hits with the other singer? Because I don't think I even knew they had a different singer. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much we want to get into it, but I think ACDC Purists, which I like to pretend that I am, I like the Bon Scott era a lot more. He's um, a little more whimsical, maybe, like Willy Wonka-esque. They're very like playful. Um, And I think the way he sings is a little better. Brian Johnson, who's the new singer, reminds me, he like pushes his vocal range a lot and just kind of screeches. But... uh, Hits that you might know. Highway to Hell, obviously. That's a huge oh, one. Oh, okay. Um, what's the... Yeah, I think TNT? you're right. Because now that I'm just thinking of... Oh, yeah. TNT. Now uh, that I'm I thinking th- about it, that singer has... Because I didn't really know any of this, but that singer has like a lower voice. Whereas when you're listening to this, it's like, you're Screech. right. The, it's almost too much, but it also is a style. Like, eat. Yeah, and he does like... Um, bon Scott almost does this like sing talk like he's like he reminds me of Willy Wonka I don't know why I keep coming back to that but just like he's uh I don't know really should have covered pure imagination like the smoking popes yeah but uh I think still undisputed classic this album um you had to come back with something you couldn't just redo Bon Scott's style so I'll give Brian Johnson props for that and um I just found myself listening to it I'm like is this are all the songs that aren't hits just versions of the hits that didn't get famous? That was my, I guess, one critique. I think so. Similar to Yeet, it's kind of every song sounds the same, yeah, but it's like a exactly. big rockin' anthem. I feel like yeah. ACDC for a while, my quick thoughts on them before we launch in, I feel like they were one of those bands who was kind of derided, I don't know if that's the right word, for a while. Not quite to the extent of like Nickelback and Creed. Really? I don't know. I always got the sense of like, eh, they're kind of like cheesy, like over the top group. And like, oh, I didn't. I don't got know. That. Maybe I'm alone in that. I, it wasn't until like School of Rock that I really learned to appreciate them, which that came out when we were little kids. But even then, I I like didn't put them on the same level as like a Led Zeppelin or the Who. Five points for the Who. Well, I definitely think it's fair to say that it's all like downhill from here, in my opinion, for a ACDC. Um, I'm trying to think if they have any other hits after this album. Is this 80s or is it 70s? Back in Black is 1980. Okay, so I associate it with kind of like the 80s style, like leading it into hair metal, which I never yes. liked that as much. So, um, But I don't think they really had any hits. I think most people will say the Bon Scott era is like the peak ACDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's launch into Hell's Bells so we can get our bells fixed going here. Get the bells going. Track number one, had to do it. Almost as good of a bell as For Whom the Bell Tolls, Metallica. Which we talked about in a last uh, old episode. That's, I think, how we got the bell idea. Real quick. Yeah. I was just going to say, even that starting with the bells like that, because this is the first track, I feel like that's something that if we're going to talk about bells later in the episode, like yeah. church bells and, you know, kind of like death the medi- bells. Yeah, or meditative. Yeah, I guess in this sense, maybe it's more death, but, you know, like bells to signify something. And it's just 
when you're hitting them in like a big church, it's like so overwhelming and it's really just vibration playing one tone, but it definitely has an effect on the human body. Totally. And I, that's what I wondered is the interpretation was like, we're back from the dead, kind of like very Black Sabbath, actually. You know, we talked about last episode. I was getting some huge Black Sabbath vibes on this. Same, but I think Black Sabbath did it better. Oh, yeah. And like 10 years earlier. So exactly. Definitely a riff on that. Yeah. Speaking of riffs. But great riff. Great guitar riff. Undisputed classic. You're like eighth grade. You're trying to learn songs to impress people. This is one of the ones that comes out. Yeah, now that you mention it, definitely feeling the bridge into hair metal, hearing the bridge into like Def Leppard and those types of bands. Yeah, totally. He did very a great Jack parody Black. of it in that uh, Get the, movie. Uh, and Tenacious D. The SG, the red SG like Angus Young. Yeah, speaking of the red SG, definitely Angus Young's guitar solos, highlight of this album. Every single one just completely shreddy, rips it. And much like Yeet, they had the whole like schoolboy. I guess that's this singer that had the schoolboy look, or was that Bon Scott? Um, that I think I would give that Angus Young, the guitar okay. player. But okay, gotcha. Brian Johnson definitely wore like a little music cap as well. Yeah, they always shred a guitar solo in the end, like Weezer. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about the singers. Oh, guitar solo. We ring when there's a guitar solo. No more talking. (laughs) 
I was mentioning, you know, we were talking about Brian Johnson's singing style. Uh, considered uh, either reinforced falsetto or like a head voice. Oh, guitar solo. Head voice is a really interesting way to put it because when you say it like that, I can imagine him like literally singing from the back of his head. So if we could go for on a quick detour here, I'll kind of break down my thoughts here. Oh, a little yeet bell real quick here as we transition. <laughs> so we were talking about his head voice, his falsetto. Uh, I would definitely say Bond's got more of a head voice, less strain. So this is quickly, this is Big Balls by ACDC. Nice. Um, you can hear Bon Scott's style being a little more distinct than. Yeah, Balls, not bells. Well, I'm upper, upper class high society. God's gift to ballroom. Very Willy Wonka. <laughs> and I always fill my ballroom. The event is never small. The social pages say I've got the biggest balls of all. I've got big balls. I've got big balls. Never heard this. Such big balls and dirty big, big balls. balls. More like Pink Floyd, very, or Beatles, Sergeant Pepper. Right. So quickly, if I could show you, before Brian Johnson sort of got this role, he actually sang in a less strained falsetto. So I'll quickly jump into his band before ACDC. It's called Jordy, I think, G E O R D I E, uh, and this is him singing "House of the Rising Sun." Wow, deep run here, giving the listeners what they want. It honestly almost sounds like a completely different person. Who is this? So this is the second singer, Brian Johnson, okay. singing before he actually joined ACDC and ruined his voice. You can still kind of hear it, but way less strained. Yeah, he just took it to the next level for ACDC. ACDC's like, we like what you're doing, but can you just turn it to 11? Is he still alive? I think so. Yeah, I've never heard of him passing. I wonder what his voice is like now. Oh, I'm sure it's shot. That's... All right. I remember. I was just gonna say. I remember watching like screamo videos back in the day where they teach you how to scream in that voice because otherwise you just completely lose your voice if you just try to scream. But there is a technique. 
I'm sure he's probably utilizing that because there's no way he could have toured if he was really shooting out his voice. But right. it can't be good for you. But um, all right, that was my big run here talking about ACDC and their vocalists. I'll pass it back. Wow, I love it. Gave me a lot more context about ACDC than I ever knew. Like I said, I've grown to appreciate it over time. That head voice thing is also really interesting. And thinking about jumping back to Yeet, would you say Yeet has a body voice? I, I feel like he, yeah, he's the opposite. He's like down in his chest. Yeah. He's like, I love it. Love it, love it. You hear a lot of stuff like in my era, people would say it about Lil Wayne or he would say it about himself that he's an alien. Uh-huh. And that's kind of become a thing where it's like, I'm so I'm from a different planet. I'm so different and stuff. And people say that a lot about Yeet. But I feel like on the opposite end, like he's very connected to the earth and that kind of <laughs> in like a overly, you know, I'm overthinking it, but I'm using my head too much. But like the connection to drugs, like Percocet, all that stuff is very like body vibey stuff. So it works well with it. But mm-hmm. I think if you use your head, then you can kind of think of it like, oh, what is he really doing with his voice and like make making it contort in all these crazy ways? So I think he's head and body, but I think more body voice. Yeah. But we're going to lead from Yeet into someone I already mentioned, Future, another character. I don't know if we talked much about him on here, but I feel like Yeet's style kind of comes from Future and Young Thug and those sort of artists who were stylistic innovators. This is a Future song that has bells all through it from 2017, which is around when Yeet was coming up, maybe a little Mm -hmm. early. Yeah. Future also, just another character who's like from a different era, you know, he was Meathead in the Dungeon family in the 90s, but he didn't really come back like ACDC until the mid 2010s with Pluto and then from then he kind of skyrocketed and became like more successful than he ever was and also defined the sound of the following generations launching in future rent money so nice <laughs> heard the bell yeah little bell in the background They're coming in and out in and out in and out it's just coming in and out yeah Bell's booming. Got the money coming in, it ain't no issues. I just fucked a rapper, bitch, I should have did show. Got the Mac 11, Crockett got the kick too. Serving nigga like no busy in my house shoe. The baby mama fucked me better when the rest do. I just fucked a rapper, bitch, I should have did show. I mean, this, this is probably where he got the Bell idea, I would assume. That's the thing is, I don't know, was it like, because I don't know when Yeet was really starting. And, you know, bells have been used in hip-hop a lot. Yeah. There's so many bells songs. Like, another one I've played on the podcast before, The Cool Kids, What Up Man. It's like a song. Well, no, it's a beat that he makes with his mouth. And then on the song, he's like, all I need is my mouth and a bell. And it's like, you know, it's like just a simple instrument that adds a lot. Yeah. You got LL Cool J, Rock the Bells, of course. You got Bell and Sebastian. I just think of his Yeats rap style as a lot like Futures. Exactly. That's why I wanted to play this. I think it's definitely indebted. Yeah. 
Fuck school. The bell rings at school. Fuck school. They come and stuck together when they get a rap still. I fuck the rapper, bitch. I was on the drug deal. I fuck the rapper, bitch. I was on the drug deal. Got the money coming in, it ain't no issues. I just fuck the rapper. So, yeah, bells. Are they? They're percussive instrument, technically, right? I mean, I don't know. And then they have melody. Yeah, but is it just like the sh this is a dumb question, but like the shape of the bell that gives it the tone? Uh huh. Is it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah, size. I think size and shape. So, so obviously, maybe size is just amplitude. But obviously, they were making these like way before recorded music. I think bells are used a lot in orchestras and like classical compositions too. And then obviously, like the church thing, you know, they wanted to make them like as loud as possible so you could just whack it and. So yeah, I just wanted to stop in on future. No, this is great. Definitely important. I I, I do believe he's probably one of the biggest influences on Ye and on like modern rap in general. Sure. And it's like Atlanta. It really took decades. Obviously, there was Outkast and like the classic. They said the South got something to say. We've talked about a lot of like Southern rap and Atlanta rap, but I think it'd be hard to argue that Atlanta isn't like the center of rap right now. And it has this kind of style. Definitely. So since you went on a run, this has nothing to do with future. It's just a side connection. But in my research and thinking about bells, I looked up what animals sound like bells and there's from australia like acdc the white bellbird nice so we'll listen to its call here isn't that crazy wow is that real yeah it's i guess the loudest bird ever documented it hits over 120 decibels damn sounds so that's like what an I was, alien well that's what i was wondering because i wonder if bells have been important in our culture for their ability to be loud and heard. Definitely. And With I wonder if, you know, you had mentioned percussion. I wonder because it's sort of a combination of percussion and melody, they're louder than both sides. They're louder than drums and they're louder than like horns or something. I like that. It's almost like the primitive version of a bass and drum hitting at the same time. Sure. But like, like you know, uh, when, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, when drums and bass hit, I feel like you really feel it more in your body than in your head. Well, what I'm what I'm thinking is like, you know, bells that definitely has the connotation of like an alarm or some kind of like get people's attention. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm thinking that like the loudness of bells and the way that they work has to be part of the function. I wasn't even thinking about sleigh bells on Santa's sleigh. It's like uh -huh. to let you know Santa's coming. They got so many functionalities. Chimes are different though, right? Yes. Okay, because I was almost getting some chime music, but I was like, save that for the chime episode. <laughs> I'll pass it back. All right, I got a quickie here. I kind of burned most of this run here, but um, the last little bit about Brian Johnson as the vocalist on their return is uh, part of why they thought he would be a good replacement is Bon Scott was actually the first person to mention Brian Johnson to them. Uh, having seen him sing in that group that I played for you all before. 
and they they both realized that they liked little richard who um i hear some of that in their voice but um you know little richard's doing his own thing but that got me to this since this is the bell episode little richard had a series of commercials for taco bell in the early 90s <laughs> yes launching into the first of three this is chicken tacos uh-oh They just said Taco Twos. I don't know how Taco John's got away or Taco. Who's the one who trademarked Taco Tuesdays? Taco Tuesday isn't wasn't that LeBron James? No, someone trademarked it, and there's the whole joke where LeBron James can't say it. Oh, got you. Uh, maybe it is Taco Bell. Yeah. Damn, Taco Bell trademarked it. All right, so then that makes sense. Uh, quick intermission here. I'll tell you real quickly. So, in case you're wondering where Taco Bell came from, where it started, as all great American stories go. Uh, Taco Bell's founded by Glenn Bell, mm. uh, a white guy in Southern California who started a hot dog stand in 1948. Uh, but he sat ac- across the street from a super popular Mexican restaurant called uh, Mitla Cafe and basically watched them be super successful and not, and not him sell any hot dogs. So uh, he decided to start eating there so that he could try to reverse engineer the, Classic. the recipe. Eventually, the the owners just allowed him to go see how the tacos were made because they're like, you know, what do we care? You're a sad white guy trying to sell hot dogs. It's um, the appropriation episode. Yeah. So three years later, he opens up a taco stand and then franchises it and the fad becomes huge. You know what's weird on a side tangent of that? Yeah. Just how much fast food comes out of Southern California, like McDonald's. It was the same thing where it was a That's hamburger a stand point. and the guy from Chicago came over and ripped it off. And like, there really is like that fast food culture in Southern California. Cause of cars. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. But I feel like it's hard to appreciate that when Southern California now has a big emphasis on like healthy eating and stuff. And you think of like the Midwest and South as eating yeah. a bunch of fast food. Yeah. But it, came from here well i'm looking up mcdonald's is founded 1940 so even similar era um and yeah definitely similar i think this says san bernardino Mm -hmm. let me look up where glenn bell was i think he was somewhere similar and baskin Uh, and robbins i learned or baskin robbins yeah i learned recently there was one in burbank and one in glendale a baskins and a robbins and they combined forces and became greater than they ever could have been. No known. way. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't yeah, so he's Glenn Bell's also his hot dog stands in San Bernardino. Nice. So he's 8 years after McDonald's has started as a hamburger stand. So I think this dude's just a freaking chameleon. He's just selling hot dogs and hamburgers cuz of McDonald's and then decides No, I'm going to start selling tacos. All right, yep. back to little Richard. All right. That was great. <laughs> I hear a little Brian Johnson screech in there. Definitely. Great little Richard song. It just shows when your career reaches a certain point, you start doing Taco Bell commercials. But <laughs> yeah. I, I was definitely made there me was... want Taco Bell more than any other commercial. 
There was probably three different commercials, all different songs. With Little Richard. I'll spare got, you though. I hope he got his money. I hope he got the future rent money. Um, so speaking I, of future, since you're passing, I predicted the pass. Speaking of future, we left off with rent money. Future, I was just going to say, too, is an artist who's evolved over the times and been relevant for decades and influential for decades, but he doesn't necessarily adapt like uh, the Taco Bell owner. What was his name? Glenn Bell. Glenn, Glenn Bell. He doesn't like just rip people off. He kind of innovates and then people adapt to him, which I think just another shout out. But I'm coming back in here like ACDC. Uh, Rent Money was produced by DJ Khaled is credited as a producer. I hope he added the bells. And also someone named Chef Tate. I don't know who that is. And then I don't know. someone named The Beat Bully, who is a producer from Chester, Pennsylvania. Moving over to Philadelphia, which I think it's like a suburb of Philadelphia or it's near Philadelphia. Okay. Talk about a producer we haven't talked about, I don't believe, named Tom Bell. I don't know him. Let's launch into one of the songs he produced. The Spinners, Then Came You with Diane Warwick. Nice. Philadelphia Soul. Yep. So real quick on Tom Bell, I guess he was one of the main people in the Philadelphia Soul movement. He produced like a ton of classic songs, wrote a bunch of songs for the Stylistics, the Delphonics, Spinners, Diane Warwick. Wow. Um, born in Kingston, Jamaica, moved to Philly when he was four. And guess where he died in 2022? San Bernardino. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? No, no. Bellingham, Washington. Nice. So connection to my bird call when Bell was recording this in 1974. And by the way, it was a number one single. He told the Spinner's singer to think of, is it Diane Warwick? That's what I always call her, but it's spelled D-I-O-N-N-E. Uh, I think it's Diani. Dion. Diani. I don't claim to pronounce things right. Uh, he always, he told her to, or to, told the singer of the Spinner's to think of Diani as a feather. Said, I want to sing, ar- I want you to sing around her. So she floats around you and you float around her. And I think that is like such a simple piece of advice, but you can really hear it in the music. Every time I'm near you, I no, you're right. To feel Dion. Just touching you and loving you makes everything right. Tell me how you feel, baby. Another great Tom Bell quote. He said, the only two subjects worth writing about are love and escape. Nice. Which is very fitting of this era and sound. Uh, Another thing I found is that I guess he would 
known for like making up slang, which I feel like is another thing. People like, I don't know if Yeed and Future do it as much, obviously like E40, but you know, I feel like that's something that's respected, especially in hip hop, is when you come up with like your own random slang and then people start using it. Yeah, we'll be crossing that. Ooh, later. wow, we don't plan this. I'm, I, as Tom Bell would say, I'm enthusiated about your, your future picks. <laughs> So Dion Warwick, yeah, you had it right. One of those interesting people because she recently like came back on Twitter. Oh, funky horns! Ring the bell. You can ring my bell. So she became like a Twitter celebrity because she's just unhinged old lady tweeting whatever she wants. And I didn't even know who she was before that which I think is another interesting thing just about fame, where it's like, you know, Future's kind of had this longer career. Yeet is like the up the moment guy. And it's like, how long does that moment really last? Or I feel like it doesn't even last while you're still alive a lot of the time. Yeah. It's very fleeting. And it's kind of like recorded music, if we want to get into it. We get into it on our other podcasts, the recorded history music. But... It elongates it in a way that we never had before. Kind of like how we know who Shakespeare is, but we don't know who maybe like the best storyteller of ancient times was because it wasn't documented. Only the victors write the history. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare is the victor. Yeah. And she's also, Diane Warwick is also Whitney Houston's cousin. Wow. Nepotism. Yeah. So I didn't realize, though, what I was going to get into is she had 39 consecutive chart hits with Burt Bacharach. And kind of like how I mostly know ACDC from School of Rock. Burt yeah. Bacharach, I mostly know from Austin Powers. Yeah, same. He's like Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach. But like at the time, he was one of the biggest artists who was making like hit after hit. So no bells on that song, but except for Tom Bell behind the scenes making magic. Great song, I thought. Pleasant vibe. Passing it back. All right. We left off with Little Richard talking about Glenn Bell inventing Taco Bell. What's going to go? Maybe I'll still do this connection, but, you know, talking about bells that invented things. We've also got the legendary Alexander Graham Bell, who, uh, fascinating dude for anyone who doesn't know. Um, you know, he's obviously most famous for inventing the telephone. Uh, both his parents were deaf. Uh, so he just had this like huge uh, inventor scientist background. Uh, I think he got really into like genetics. Um, and then I think he also did some stuff with phonographs, if I remember correctly. But fascinating dude. What did he do with genetics? Because that's like eugenics era. No, I think more like. Um, Genetics, like as in, I don't know what the term like is. Discovering you, the DNA. You like cross plants and you see uh, like what the seeds and the, you know, child plants or whatever, like display which genetics from the parents. Yeah, I guess people were just studying it around that time. Yeah, because, oh yeah, so the era he is, he's late 1800s. Um, 
1888 is that when the the phone was invented? I think it's yeah, late 1800s. But I was going to go with William 1876, Bell. 1876, damn it. Private number talking about telephones. But I think we've listened to the song before on the show. So I'm going to take a left turn here. Alexander Graham Bell's parents both died of tuberculosis, which got me thinking of classic Bell song, Tubular Bells. Mm, totally tubular. By Mike Oldfield, also used as the Exorcist theme song. Launching in. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. You know more than I know. Okay, good. I thought I thought we maybe talked about it in an old episode, but sometimes I scrap connections and never use them. Behind the scenes. So this was not made for The Exorcist, was used later on. I definitely hear the horror movie style. Yeah. Now that you say that. I feel like these are head bells. Like I hear these in the back of my head because they're higher pitched. Funky bass, five points. And I know we've talked about uh, Terry Riley in the past. Mike Oldfield definitely inspired by Terry Riley and minimalism. You sort of hear it in the percussive elements of the melody. What year is this? Uh, 1973. Uh, and I think Terry Riley's 1969. It's a couple years after. And Alexander Graham Bell's 1876. So much like uh, Terry Riley, this is a 20-minute piece. The whole album is just two 20-minute songs. Give me 20 points. So the reason it's called Tubular Bells is he uses Tubular Bells on this record, uh, which listeners, go ahead and Google Tubular Bells. It's like a weird... (laughs) Do your own Almost. research. Actually, you know what? Tubular bells are a set of chimes, so maybe Ooh. I'm breaking my own rule here. Minus 10 points. No, bells in the name, it counts. But to be fair, uh, he, he tells a story that they were among the instruments when he was in the studio uh, after he came in and the musician before him was John Cale. So that's how I get out of jail. Ooh, John Cale, get out of jail free card. There it is, folks. John Cale bailed, bailed out of jail. Yep. Is that a guitar or is that like a keyboard? That little squeak? It sounds yeah. like an organ, but I don't know. Could be a guitar. Sounds like ACDC singer screeching. Yeah. But yeah, Mike Oldfield, kind of a bit like a Van 
Vangelis kind of composer does I think he did something for the Olympics but very much in the avant-garde scene hanging out with John Cale Terry Riley weirdly I could almost connect this to get busy by yeet or like what? it's almost like a synth like <laughs> you have to dig deep but it's like I could almost hear this being like do 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 boom yeah, yeah. easy I does it <laughs> okay, it's a stretch. All right, I think we got our Mike Oldfield fix. I'll go ahead and fade this out, pass it back. Listeners, if you're feeling like going deep, though, 20-minute song, check it out. He also has a part two and a part three. I like that a lot, though. I've never heard this before. Ooh, it's getting a little interesting. Oh, okay. The second movement. This is like synths. Yeah, this sounds like synths. So he was early in that too. Yeah. Very much, I think, hanging out with experimental musicians. Do you think the synth bell takes... Yeah, do you think it takes anything away from... I don't think so, now that I'm saying it out loud, because like the yeet bells probably are some sort of synth. I would, assume, yeah, I would think the synthesis from the machine is trying to replicate how a bell creates a sound wave. So the bell is obviously the analog version, but a synth's trying to recreate it. I guess that doesn't really make sense because some synths are analog as well. But you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's and a I'm recreation. Just, yeah, I wonder if this is another old man argument, but I wonder if like live music hits your body different than synths even if it's like a synth played live or if it's all just being funneled through a mixer so it doesn't really matter and through a speaker no i mean to get real nerdy with it a bell in a live setting is going to probably reverberate in all directions whereas a speaker yeah. replaying a bell is only going to probably go mostly forward that's why i feel like a bell in particular is harder to capture yeah and on recording so you got to come see us live we'll be playing bells our whole set all right, fading out. All right, good song choice, though. Finally got out of jail there with John Cale. It's looking dire for me. I'm jealous. I'm still in jail. Uh, left off with Tom Bell in Philadelphia. Who's the most famous Bell from Philadelphia? Is it Tom? Freedom. It's the Liberty, Liberty Bell. Liberty. Launching in. Dark Side. Liberty Bell. Nice. Single from their second album when they came back, like ACDC. Wow. Starts with the bell. Deconstructed. I love this little riff. Also add gongs and chimes, both bell adjacent. Definitely. Some of me could see her coming to the house of a sinner gone. Now come here to see me alive. I 
would argue too that Dark Side is similar to Yeet and Future in that they like kind of have the deconstructed, they do it in a more like artsy, highfalutin way, but it's also kind of like a deconstruction of genre and has sort of like that hazy body sound. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Maybe in just vocals. You don't think the music? You think it's just straightforward? This song is in particular, it's more of like a single, but live they're almost like Grateful Dead kind of experimental. Jam band. I saw them at FYFS and they blew my mind. Yeah, I could see that. Like very jam band. It was like they were doing their set where there was like a mirror and crazy light coming off of it. They, yeah, they suck you in, bring you along. So this, for those who don't know, Nicholas Jar and Dave Harrington. We were in San Bernardino, Burbank, and Glendale. Now we're hopping over to Providence. Uh, Dark Side formed in Providence. No way. In the early 2010s, when they were both students at Brown. Wow, didn't know that. I'll give you 100 points. I just got to give Providence credit. I feel like I'm amazed more and more the amount of bands in the like early to mid 2000s like started and formed in Providence. Yeah, it seems like it actually has a really vibrant music scene. I mean, like any college town does, but in particular. Yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, Deer Hunter, that one I was looking at the other day, that's a Providence band. You've got Deer Tick, obviously. And there's the Rhode Island School of Music or whatever, right? Is there, or what's it called? Berkeley uh, there's School the School of music. Design, and then there's Berkeley in Boston. The School of Music is in Boston. Guitar solo. It's honestly one of the perfect places to form a band. Yeah. Because cost of living is relatively cheap, and if you get big, you could just go to New York. Right. So I think Dark Side eventually went to New York. And yeah, it seems like there's a lot of venues in Providence, and it's got like a... It seems like it's got like that sort of off-kilter indie feel that you might get from a smaller sort of town. Yeah, and like the RT students for sure. Yeah. And Dark Side, real quick on the Liberty Bell. Obviously, it's a classic American symbol, American folklore. There's not really much to say about the Liberty Bell. I'm launching into my next Dark Side. You got anything to say about the Liberty Bell? It's got a crack in it. <laughs> it's got it's got a crack in it, just like my connection here. You know, Alice Cooper schools out. That's Liberty, right? Yeah. Uh, Liberty Bell schools out. ACDC had the screechy voice. Schoolboy outfit. AC Slater. Saved by the Bell theme song. It sounds like Little Richard. <laughs> is this Huey Lewis? This is Scott Gale, performed by Michael Damien. 
totally uh, Huey Lewis, the um, Little Richard. Yeah. So the guy who wrote this, oh, guitar solo. So um, apparently the guy who wrote it, it took him two minutes to write it. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> he said it was the luckiest two minutes of my life. And the only direction they gave him was it had to be like upbeat and catchy rock and roll because they didn't know if the show was going to be a success. So they wanted to catch people right away with a hooky with a hook song. Nice. Theme songs from TV shows are missing nowadays, but that's a whole different discussion or they're not missing, but they're not as they're not what they used to be. Yeah, agreed. But, uh, you know, AC Slater, screechy voice, screech. I don't know if you watch much Saved by the Bell, but it was a little before our generation. And I was reading like the guy. So the guy who made the theme song went on to do music for all of the episodes, like when they would do different musical numbers and stuff like that. And it's like it was on for four seasons and they adapted to the musical styles of the time, just like the Taco Bell guy. Love that. Passing it back. All right, passing it back. Left off with Mike Oldfield and his tubular bells, which was actually sampled by Tech Nine and a Tech Nine song. Mm. Which gets me to where I'm trying to really go here, which is sort of the Bay Area hyphy movement. You talked about it before. But let's launch into my song. This is Yuck Mouth and Tech Nine. Mm. Bum bell, which I can't figure out what the heck a bum bell is. I think it's another name for like a dumbbell. That's the only thing I can find online. <laughs> That's a, for your bum. But it must be some yeah, slang, is obviously so where I think I'm missing context here. But you had mentioned, you know, rap movements having their own culture. I think Hyphy definitely gets credit for that. And Tech Nine, perfect example and of a ultimate nine. lyrical rapper. And he also has his own, he says like sizzling. I don't know Yuck Mouth though, so I'll give you 100 points. He's a... Yuck Mouth's another Oakland guy. He was in the Loonies. You know, uh, I got five on it. Mm. He's one half of the, the Loonies. I'll give you 2.5 points. Give me five. One half. This is 1998, too, so pretty early for Tech 9 and Yuck Mouth. When you're like 12 years old, or when I was 12 years old, this is. Tech 9 would blow in my mind. Totally. The bomb bell. The bomb bell. 
bomb off. Is it? Bombay. It's spelled B-U-M-B-E-L-L. Bumbell. Whatever that means. But I definitely could feel their styles are really raw in this. You know, 98's really before Hyphy starts popping off, so... Wouldn't people also say, like, bombastic or whatever, like, for smoking weed? Bum. Maybe. It does seem like it's something to do with weed. Hyphy, I would say, and also yeah. Tech Nines from what Kansas City. Yeah, he is. Which I never really knew how he got hooked up with that crew, because like as you'll know, infamously, uh, Mac Dre got killed in Kansas City right. after a show. Yeah, I don't really know where the connection for Tech Nine and that crew happened, but clearly there were strong enough ties that he was getting Mac Dre to come to Kansas City. Yeah. And I feel like you can retroactively kind of because it's like almost the way that they ride the beat for lack of a better term is just very different from like the more rigid it's rigid but it's also looser than like New York style I guess yeah yeah this song's definitely a little aggro but I thought it was interesting to hear so this is Yuck Mouse's first solo album after the Loonies I gotta check this out I feel like too is like the sorry for talking over the whole thing. No, you're fine. It's something special. I feel like there is some sort of solidarity and we're an evergreen podcast, but recently it was like the hip hop fifty anniversary and I yeah. saw some stuff about on Twitter of like we're just celebrating New York artists. It's like Florida's not represented, the West Coast's not represented, South's not represented. Uh-huh. If we're talking about hip hop, which it makes sense because it was obviously birthed in New York. But I feel like there is like a weird solidarity with the rest of the country. See, Oakland meets Houston. Yeah. <laughs> and he said mind playing tricks, but like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like there was, there still is a solidarity of the rest of the country versus like New York. As in the New Yorkers think they're the only thing. And they're more like purists, I guess, too. Not as much today, but. I definitely think, you know, mainstream doesn't think of hip hop as originating or, you know, starting anywhere but New York. Exactly. And it's like, it was kind of bubbling up all at the same time. Yeah. There's definitely tertiary early hip hop. And like the Bay Area has had a profound impact on music, global music at large. And Atlanta. Yeah. And Atlanta and LA and Chicago and Kansas City and Providence. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe not Providence. But you pass it back? Yeah. Well, school's out. We're saved by the bell, by the screechy voice. AC Slater connection here. This one, we've all heard the hits. This was the second song on the album, uh, Shoot for Thrills. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. You like that one? I liked it because I listened, you know, Hell's Bells. I was like, all right, Lee's going to play this. 
This one yeah, came on. I was bust. driving down the highway, driving down from San Bernardino, and uh, shoot to thrill or the San Bernardino Mountains in the background. And yeah, this song came on, and I really felt like I was in a montage of an '80s movie that played out for the duration of the song. Like I just pictured myself in a old school Chevy truck with the windows down. I have a mullet and I'm like drinking a Budweiser <laughs> and something, there's like a fire in the distance and I'm just driving towards it. You don't know who I am yet. And the credits yeah. are rolling. In like a muscle car. Yeah, exactly. I pictured a truck, but yeah. Oh, okay. In reality, it was my Kia Soul. I feel like for getting in that mindset, ACDC is great. I want to give a quick shout out to Lil Xan, who has a song called Saved by the Bell. And I feel like a few years before Yeet, he was the, it was more emo rap compared to what Yeet does, but he was like the guy of the moment. So we were were talking a bit about uh, Brian Johnson singing. Sounds like the producer of this album really wrote his ass about all of his takes was like constantly on him about like you sing that note too long you should take a breath so maybe he was just like getting like hammered this whole process. or he's just like thank you for the opportunity yeah in the band i feel like acdc would be a great one to bust out as like a karaoke song if you could really nail it the way Jack Black is. Also love that part, the pull the trigger and then just this kind of chaotic part. I was thinking, I'm talking over the guitar solo, but I was thinking a lot about the darkness. Damn. The darkness, I believe in a thing called love. Yeah. Which like, they were obviously a parody-ish kind of thing of this style or a throwback. Homage, yeah. But there's just something just so ridiculous about it, but kind of like Yeet, honestly, one-to-one. It's like layers of inside jokes. 
So two quick tags. I forgot to mention about the bells for Hell's Bells. Real quick, I want to say this part is just like a part of the song in School of Rock. It is. Yeah, it's the same. Oh, it's right? the exact same? I don't know, isn't it? I mean, it's definitely an homage. Yeah. Go on. Uh, so the all black cover is is a sign of mourning for Scott. And then they asked for a bell. And they were recording in Nassau. But uh, they couldn't get a clean recording because birds and stuff kept flying by. So birds. they ended up... They had a foundry make a bell. And they were just lucky that it was perfectly tuned. They were the, in the Bahamas? Yeah, they were in the Bahamas. Nassau. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I hear a little, like... Steel drone that feels here. They were recording it outside. For the bells, they tried to get the church bells oh. down the street. Great. Did the original singer die? Yeah, yes. That's that's the whole concept. Okay, that's what I thought. I missed so that at the beginning. They have the black album cover and then it starts with the like bells, which are supposed to be like a funeral toll. You know, you're ringing the bells at a funeral kind of thing. Right. By the way, total tangent, but I just want to say because hmm. Drake kind of I think made Yeet even more famous than he already was somehow. Okay. I think he remixed a song. I might be wrong about that, don't quote me. But then I was wondering, like, does Drake have any songs that have bells in them? But it's impossible to Google because Drake bells. Yeah, Drake Bell comes up from, <laughs> from Drake and Josh. Another, yeah, sort of Saved by the Bell kind of thing. Yeah. All right, pass back. Nice. All right, closing it up here. We we're talking a little bit about high fee. That's just also I could, you know, sort of compare Mac Dre and the high fee movement to their sort of like silly slang. Because I think there's a playfulness to, you know, calling yourself Fizzle Marley or, mm -hmm. you know, even Tech Nine saying Sizzlin', you know what I'm Sizzlin'? To yeah. Yeet, which uses Twizzy a lot. I've noticed Twizzy is like his inner, his label, and he says, I think it's slang for twins, my like, my crew. Uh, so that got me to Yeet, Twizzy Rich. Nice. Another, this is like what comes up if you look up best yeet song with bells i think so i thought it was another good uh bell usage so yeah launching in we're giggly we're thizzin we're twizzy speaking of dead on previous episodes we heard bella laguzzi's dead <laughs> minus five minus five I touch in the mirror, like now feels so real. HIV my twist, you already know in the deal. 
You sippin' a little church walk, bitch, I just play in the seal. Gotta pay for a good ass floor, we say ain't no seal. Hey, I would just out in La Jolla, I would just share some bills. Yeah, diamonds on big boy walk, got these bitch shit at the wheel. Uh, I try replacing the ends with a purse, but bitch, y'all know how that feel. I just try keeping it real, but bitch, I'm all gonna keep it at honey. My bitch had a brand new favorite. I also feel like we haven't talked about the fact that his name is Yeet, and Yeet is like a slang term. Right. I, he changed the spelling, but I mean, I think it's still from that idea. Yeah. I like when he raps like at the beginning in that lower voice, which is like close to his talking voice. Yeah, very much the future style, I think. Yeah. yeah, you reminded me, actually, that's the other reason I chose this was because he does just the craziest vocal sounds. Yeah. Almost to the point of be, being bad, but in that that same school. I feel so much. I heard full time minute. He'll pull up on my bitches. She eat me like lunch. Said I got rid of a headache. Yeah, I guess I rap when I fight. Would you be having a bunny? Yeah, signing it. Would you be on my day? I got my money out of nothing. Hey, hey, be a one flawless. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, told you stop calling my phone. Told you stop wasting my time. Hey, hey, I got a big old piece. She got a big behind. Hey. Yeah, I just been sending it pegs. I just don't make it no fly. Yeah, I can go back on my word. I already said it is time. All of my twizzies is up. Bitch, you been next in line. And these years they got me moving. All of my twizzies are up. Y'all federal. You don't got no money, but you judge and call you Judy. So you were right. Sounds like he started 2015 as Lil Yeet. It's also, we didn't really talk about Playboy Cardi, but he has a similar sort of like weird style, almost a screechier voice because of screechy yeah. voices. So he could be even as inspired by like his contemporaries as Future, but they wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for Future. The other silly thing is he's always talking about minions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which to me is such like a Gen Z thing. It's definitely just his whole attitude, I think, that resonates with people. But I think in the music, there is something... It's just interesting tracing it back to, like, from Little Richard to now and how far music's come. Twizzy Rich. This, sure. this era of, like, that song has a hook, but it's not anything like what you would expect a hook to be. And it has lyrics, but they're delivered totally different. So I like the hyphy connection, too. He also starts his career as Lil Yeet, just like Little Richard. Wow. Wow, we did it again. What's this? This is a little William Bell. We took a left turn off of William Bell, but... This is a long episode. Thanks for sticking with us if, if you're still here. We'll play it out with a little William Bell private number. A.C. Slater stood for Albert Clifford. Just looking back at my notes, things <laughs> I didn't cover. We're going to make a playlist with all these songs. You can subscribe to our newsletter or we'll send you a playlist, a podcast. Coming to a city near you. 
We'll see you in Providence. We'll see you in San Bernardino. San Bernardino. <laughs> At a hot dog stand. We'll see you in Philadelphia. Tom Bell. Where's Yeet from? Portland. Oh, that's we didn't even talk about that. Another funny part about his whole persona. Yeah. It's because he's almost like a Portlandia sketch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and he talks about minions and it's just like so Gen Z. And ACDC from Australia, which I didn't really remember. Yeah, but so they were from Australia, but it, I think they were from Scotland. Oh. One of those weird like worldwide uh, majesty yeah like provinces or whatever it's called what's it when there's like the countries inside of the british kingdom commonwealth commonwealth thank you ring the bell the king is dead All right, should we end it with a bell and get out of here? Yeah, let's end it. The people have already stopped listening.